Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. We've got a great podcast for today with Ryan Gorman, president and CEO of Coldwell Banker Realty, And Booker Pickett, he's the broker owner of Coldwell Banker Pickett Fences Realty in Land O'Lakes, Florida. Coldwell Banker has a new inclusive ownership program, and it's a really interesting program that's focused on creating opportunity for minorities, women, LGBTQ+, and veterans um, in real estate. And so we'll talk a little bit about that program, but more importantly, we're going to talk to Booker who has some really great insight about um, serving underserved communities and some of the challenges that minority broker owners face. Um, Booker wanted to expand his brokerage and as an independent, he just did not have the resources to do so. Um, With this new program, he was able to get the mentoring and the resources that he needed to expand his brokerage But more importantly, I think that his story serves as an inspiration. Uh, His mission is serving as a beacon of light and hope for those who dream of owning a home but don't think homeownership is possible. And the mission and culture of his brokerage to serve these underserved communities is admirable. And he just has a really great story to tell. So I'm super excited about sharing this information with you. And thanks for listening to The Real Trending Podcast. This is Tracy Belt, Managing Editor for Real Trends, which is now owned by Housing Wire and HW Media. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview that features Ryan Gorman, President and CEO of Coldwell Banker Realty, and Booker Pickett, Broker Owner of Coldwell Banker Pickett Fences Realty in Lando Lakes, Florida. In today's interview, Ryan will delve into Coldwell Banker's new inclusive ownership program to discuss how it came about and goals for the program. And as the first Black owner to join the program, Booker will discuss the challenges in real estate today and how the program is helping him succeed. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful to see you again. I know it's audio only, but great to see you again, Tracy. Great to see you, Booker. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys joining us on the podcast. I really love the topic. I think this program is really interesting. So I really want to start out with you, Ryan, just explaining a little bit about how it came about and at the time, I saw you had about 10 brokers signed up. Um, so tell me, do you, you know, how many do you have now? And also explain to me inclusivity because it goes far beyond just Black owners. Um, you include others as well. So, Sure, absolutely. So, And thanks for the opportunity to even talk about the program in the first place and to yeah. expand on a little bit. Uh, the program itself, I'll, I'll, I'll start there. So as you mentioned, it's, it is 
a little broader in terms of the definitions of uh, inclusion. So it is race-based, gender-based, uh, LGBTQ+, as well as veterans. So the focus is really on underrepresented groups within real estate, not necessarily underrepresented groups within the larger American community, but within real estate ownership, those groups are historically underrepresented. Gender is a great example too, where women have long dominated real estate uh, advisory, right? So realtors, real estate agents, but not in any way, shape or form dominated broker ownership, right? And we think we have a role to play in, in trying to shift that as well. So it is a, a broader program. The program has a few different elements to it. Uh, one is financial that tends to get a lot of the headlines. I don't know if that's the most valuable part of it, honestly, but that is certainly a financial aspect. So we have certain fee waivers and royalty reductions, and we invest in the brokerage up to $100,000 of capital, depending upon the profile of the broker to be able to invest in their business, to be able to start to achieve and build a path to achieve some of the goals that they have set out for the, the brokerage. The things that I think and hope are going to be the most meaningful are things like the full first year of mentorship uh, and collaboration, really. I mean, we say mentorship, but truly like Booker and I were just just talking about how I'm going to be learning as much from him as he's going to be learning from me. And in the one-on-ones that he and I have, he promised me that uh, he will uh, give me candid feedback uh, every step of the way about how we can get better. So that's going to be crucial for Cole Banker, as well as for every broker in the program. And that mentorship is not just, for instance, with me, but also with other members of the Cole Banker community. We have broker owners in the own side. We have affiliates in the, in the franchise side as well. And also connecting our brokers up with industry trade groups, uh, such as uh, NAREB, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, who played a role, honestly, in, in creating this program in the first place. I'll talk about that. And then there's discounted tuition for some of our leadership programs, as well as membership in some small business and minority-owned business uh, certification programs to help you get some government business, for instance, on the REO side, relocation, and other areas. The genesis of the program really was at an NAREB conference here in my home state of uh, New Jersey and down in Atlantic City. At that conference, I could, I heard constantly, as well as the rest of the team who was there, we had, I don't know, maybe a dozen people there, heard constantly, oh, we're surprised to see Cobalt Banker there. And we'd ask sort of why. And, and people kept saying, well, we're surprised to see any national brand here, honestly. And, and this is the premier trade association for Black real estate brokers and agents in America. For that group to be surprised that national brands were even there in the first place hit me like a ton of bricks. And yeah. it was my first time attending the conference. Shame on me. I hadn't been previously, but I could understand it. So I felt like we had to do a lot. So as we were working on sort of how do we completely change that perspective? How do we ensure that a huge and important part of our community believes that, for instance, Cole Banker is there for them? This is a house built for them. Mm -hmm. Then how do we lean into that? Right around that time, we were building out the thought process of this program the Newsday investigation on Long Island hit uh, around fair housing. And we, frankly, we as an industry and even we as Cobalt Banker did not perform like we wanted to perform in some of those, uh, you know, testings that were done. And it's not exclusive to Long Island. It's probably, you know, prevalent across the country. That also hit me like a ton of bricks. When I think about how to try and reform both of those two areas, I personally think the best way for anyone to learn about the opportunities of home ownership, to feel like home ownership is accessible and possible for them, is with a professional who knows them and who knows the community in which they want to live. That means we need real estate agents who are familiar with those communities. And it means we need real estate brokers who are familiar with, invested in, and working to grow those communities as well as home ownership in those communities that have been historically neglected. So that's where I think Cole Banker has a real role to play. And I and I hope others other brands will as well.
Okay. And now is the 10 um, accurate as far as the brokers who have signed up so far through the program? You know, we actually ended the year with 12. I think we'd only announced 10. So when a broker decides to join, they want to you know, plot their path to announcing it uh, you know, to their market. So we haven't necessarily uh, uh, announced all of those and more have joined since. So we do hope that our announcement record of 10, our signup record of 12, that we will exceed that significantly in 2021. Okay, great. Um, Booker, so I noticed you have over 200, or actually 200. Huh, let me try that again. <laughs> you <laughs> really fine. old if you had 200. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got about 22 years of experience in the real estate industry, and you uh, served as president of the Tampa Bay area of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, and now you're in a leadership position with the national organization. Um, I also read that you had a successful financial career in investment banking, and you founded West Chase Mortgage before running your brokerage um, as an independent. So tell me a little bit about why this opportunity really interested you and how it came about that you ended up joining the Coldwell Banker brand through this program. Well, well Tracy, um, to be honest, it, it wasn't an easy decision at first. Um, a lot of thought went into whether I wanted to stay as an independent or come over to Coldwell Banker. However, after uh, analyzing the, the information that I was given and speaking with Coldwell Banker leadership, um, the opportunity to partner with the real estate company that's 114 years old, uh, one that has the reputation that Coldwell Banker has, <clears throat> and one that could provide my company with the resources, training, marketing, branding, et cetera, at the end of the day, it was just something that I couldn't, I couldn't pass. Uh, another important factor, Tracy, was that, that or, or factor, that weighed heavily on my decision was the social consciousness of the company. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that Coldwell Banker had it right. I think they had it right in, in recognizing the lack of diversity of ownership of real estate franchises and, and recognizing that this was an issue. Um, so, so, um, but recognizing is one thing, but actually doing something and creating a program is something completely different. So to be the first African-American to take advantage of this opportunity, I don't take it lightly, but much respect and, and, and kudos to Coldwell Banker, to their leadership for, company, for coming up with a program such as this to help kind of break some of those barriers that we normally face in trying to, uh, to enter into ownership of franchises in, in the real estate industry. And how does the program take you, you know, you were an independent, you were a successful independent. Um, how does the program take you to the next level? What were your challenges? What were you unable to do that the program is allowing you to do now? Well, one of the things the program um, immediately is allowing me to do is recruit and recruit at a, at a higher level than ever before. Um, it, it also, um, the other resources um, include, I mean, some financial, but but recruiting, um, training materials, all of that stuff is stuff that I, as Picket Fences Realty, I had no access to. I didn't have time. So with this program, it allows us to be, it allows me, it frees, actually, it frees up some of my time, a lot of my time to focus on more important things, to focus on, okay, how do we grow to the next level? 
cool. or or how do we bring in you know 10 20 30 40 new agents and how and do we have the capacity once we do bring those agents in to retain them and i think all the you know some of the read the, the resources that Coldwell provides it helps us tremendously in that aspect and it's something that as an independent is you know i wouldn't be able to to do so um i guess in a nutshell i would say that this opportunity allows a small brokerage such as myself to grow and have more of an effect on our communities and the communities that we serve. That's great. And how many agents do you currently have? Right now, we currently have eight, and okay. but we have a goal at the end of the year. <laughs> we want to be at least 50. So anybody that's in the Lando Lakes, Tampa area that's listening <laughs> to you or writing, you, know, you can find us at, you know, pick Goldwell Banker Picket Fences Realty. Okay, and I want to talk a little bit about those um, barriers because to for for ownership and as far as um, you know, I love I you know that your mission is kind of being a beacon of light and hope for those who dream of owning a home but don't think home ownership is possible, um, and that you serve a lot of underserved communities. So you know, tell me a little bit about that you personally and how that mission and the culture of your brokerage um, came about and what it is today. Okay, uh, no problem. Well, I decided, Tracy, a long time ago that I would be a servant of my community. I would serve the community that, that raised me. You know, it takes a village. <laughs> so I would stay true to that, to that, um, to that, that community. But I also wanted to do something to combat, uh, to combat the the uh, the things and the barriers that that people in those communities face. Right. For some people in the underserved communities, they're they're completely discouraged from even attempting at um, the start the process of home ownership. So and I and I realized that a lot of this stems from decades of mistrust, exploitation, uh, redlining in these communities. So so when I created Picket Fences Realty, um, I wanted our mission to be something that would educate and inspire people in these communities. We wanted to be that that beacon of light and that hope for the underserved. So so sometimes what we do at my office, I know this is a little off, <laughs> but sometimes we we have our agents tell stories to these people that think that can't buy homes, that think that homeownership is not for them. We have a list of stories that we share with these people and we use that as inspiration for those and for that next generation of buyers. And it's been working out pretty well for us. Okay. Do you do any type of um, community outreach as far as education in that um, within your community? Uh, yes, we do. We, we do a lot of uh, outreach in our, our local churches. Uh, with the pandemic, we've been kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of shut down. Um, but once we get back in and rolling again and get back to some normalcy, uh, yes, we we do we do all kinds of outreaches. We do um, where we we feed the the home, we feed the homeless. Uh, we do seminars, home buyers seminars. We do financial literacy for a lot of people wherever we can go. We also partner with the um, National Association of Real Estate Brokers and and do co uh, community wealth building events and stuff like that. So it, it, and it's important and it's important for these communities, as Ryan was saying, it's important for these communities to see people such as themselves represented. You know, there's a, a, a trust factor. Sometimes you you know, when you're seeing somebody that's comp that 
that looks like you, that sounds like you, that experienced some of the same things you experienced, then it's easier to 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 let your guard down and, and start to listen and um and be kind of you know educated and and into well brought into the fold of, of the importance of home ownership. Obviously, um, you know, big challenge today is inventory, which goes across the board, no matter what gender race, you know, you are. But what other um, challenges are you seeing homeowners um, or home buyers actually face today? What are the biggest challenges that you're seeing? Well, well, Tracy, you hit it right on the head with the inventory. But not only that, let me take it a step further. The inventory for affordable affordable housing is the, our biggest challenge in, in this area and the people that we serve. It is so frustrating um, to, to have people who are qualified uh, and not, you know, be able to find that home for them. I mean, uh, I think um, something has to be done. Uh, we need, uh, I mean, there's, there's not enough <laughs> inventory for a regular buyer. So let's not, so when you bring in the fact that affordable housing is, um, you know, the, the inventory is low and, it, and the genocide is going on. So we're seeing people pushed out of the city of Tampa into the outskirts of, uh, into the suburbs that they can't afford houses. They have nowhere to go. Um, this is a huge um, uh, issue. And I, and I hope that the new administration does something to kind of tackle that, but it's, it's, it's a tough role for, uh, for those individuals. Yeah. And um, and I wanted to talk to Ryan a little bit about that from kind of a thousand foot view. We have a new administration coming in actually today um, and they've made a lot of promises to build on inclusiveness and affordable housing. So I wanted to know, um, you know, what aspects of, of that plan really is most in line with your program and what are you excited about? Well, sure. There's there's a lot of it, and there's a new there's a new federal administration. There's lots of new administrations in every you know town, county, and state all around the the country, right? So a lot of exciting opportunities for people to take a, a new look. And I'd say there's in terms of what you know Booker referred to, there's sort of quote unquote affordable housing, you know, subsidized housing. And then there's housing that is affordable. Right. Two different areas, both of which uh, I think we absolutely need to focus on. The what appears to be in terms of candidate Biden, and we'll see what President Biden is able to accomplish, right? This isn't a monarchy. It's it's a, There's some collaboration that's got to take place with Congress for sure. Uh, but candidate Biden really seemed to focus on some very results-oriented policy aspects. So for instance, one that's near and dear to my heart is policy technical assistance. Sounds so jargony and so bureaucratic, but it's so important because when you're talking about creating housing that is affordable, you're talking about, for instance, allowing accessory dwelling units. You're talking about elimination of some exclusionary land use practices that maybe weren't even intended to be exclusionary, but they've had that result. You're talking about allowing duplexes and triplexes and quadplexes in communities that want them, but who have decades, in some cases, centuries of policy decisions stacked on one another that makes it almost impossible to affordably build that kind of thing. So being able to, to provide some funding and some policy technical assistance for towns to be able to move in that direction, cities to move in that direction can really flip, especially in an area like where, where Booker is a really fast growing community. It can make an enormous difference in terms of opening up some affordability there. There's some sort of more grand plans, such as an advanceable first time buyer $15,000 tax credit, which I have no idea how viable it is, but that would of course be a game changer for first time buyers for that tax credit to be advanceable, to be able to utilize that at the closing table would be uh, really a truly remarkable thing for a significant portion of the, the population to be able to take advantage of. In the truly affordable housing realm, there's the concept of fully funding section eight. 
I think a lot of people, there's a lot of misunderstandings about what Section 8 housing actually is and what voucher-based programs actually are. But a lot of people also think that you can get it if you need it. I mean, the wait lines for this is sometimes 11, 12, 13 years. I mean, I have a family member who waited a decade before being able to access uh, affordable uh, housing that was almost no longer relevant by the time that uh, that it, it, it came about, unfortunately, for, for her. And there's a lot of other aspects that get into more technical details in terms of use of new market tax credits and low-income housing tax credits that take them back a little bit to where they had been for decades. There's been some more recent changes to those that make them a little bit less accessible. I'll just say sort of outside of the professional realm, but in the personal realm, one thing that excites me the most that not just the Biden administration, but also uh, really conservative administrations at state houses around the country, Utah being the best example, has leaned into is a housing first approach to homelessness. And that really means that when someone has a home, we in this industry know this, but everyone should know this, when someone has a, a safe place to live, when someone has a roof over their head that they can count on, when someone has an ability to have stability for them and especially their, their kids, it changes everything. Even if they're suffering from addiction, mental illness, there are a lot of aspects that can be unlocked there. We had a sort of stair-step program for a long time in this country where you had to sort of prove uh, certain aspects of, of, of worthiness to be able to access subsidized housing. And this, the statistical analysis, forget politics, forget what bias you bring to it. The statistical analysis is just overwhelmingly compelling that a housing first approach works, which Utah, which you know, is, is, is a traditionally conservative politically realm and fiscally realm as well, has really led the way in showing people that, hey, this is actually just cheaper for the overall community and better for people. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that excites me a lot. Great. And, and Booker, like if you could just wave a magic wand, you're in Tampa, and I know that's a huge um, growth area. In fact, I just, I think I read today, Zillow named it one of the top five um, areas that people are moving to right now. Um, and what if you could wave a magic wand and make some changes to help, you know, homeowners get into homes, especially, especially affordable homes or housing that is affordable, um, what would you do? Well, I think Ryan hit on a lot of important things. I think that um, the administration that we have coming in, that they're, you know, they're, they're, I like the fact that they're trying to attack this issue or this problem from a lot of different angles. Uh, but I do say, I would say to answer your question directly, I would say that the down payment crack, uh, tax credit is something that would be huge here. Um, if I could wave a wand, I would give that to everybody that wants to wants to purchase a home. Um, but also, um, I, I think that um, as far as building wealth in the wealth gap, I, I think that uh, the administration, the incoming administration, like like Ryan said, candidate Biden, we'll see what happens with President Biden. But the uh, initiative to to tackle the racist, um, no, not racist, but racial biases that leads to the undervalued appraisals. I mean, something like that directly affects the the uh, the wealth and the, and the the appreciation value of homes, and you know, it allows you know, it allows the the uh, systematic racism to to still prevail. You know, because these these homes aren't appreciating as they would as their neighbors are. So you know, the story, less access to capital, et cetera, et cetera. So if I could wave a wand, I would do, I would change those two things. I would make sure everybody has, you know, access to down payment money. And I would make sure that we do something to combat the biases and the appraisals. Um, and um, I think that's pretty much it for right now. And Ryan, what are your final thoughts on kind of the importance of encouraging um, brokerage ownership for minorities, women, LBGTQ+, and veterans? 
Hugely, hugely important. I mean, uh, you know, Booker hit on something there with, for instance, uh, appraisal bias, and uh, and hopefully that's typically an unconscious bias. And if you look up any of the research on it, it's really enormously compelling, including the A/B tests of you know people just decorating homes with photographs of, for instance, black families or Asian families versus white families, and what the appraisals you know come out as. Hopefully, it's unconscious bias, but it has a massive impact. Now, imagine if those appraisers or those appraisal companies were more likely to be owned by members of the community that they're serving, right? Imagine if, if we can attack unconscious bias, but imagine if we also brought just a different perspective, different, perhaps different forms of bias, but a different perspective, a different lens to that. When I look at broker ownership, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about home ownership and what the impacts, the downline impacts are going to be on entrepreneurs throughout that that area. And for instance, the new administration wants to expand the protected class categories within fair housing to include LGBTQ plus protection, which we you know fully support. There are some real aspects to that that have downline impacts on home ownership. So I think it's absolutely crucial. I think anybody who studies the history, you know, people, I think sometimes think you're bringing a political lens. We all bring our own lens and our own experience of things, but anyone who studies the history, even just a little bit, Anyone who studies the more recent uh, statistical analyses of these topics, like what Booker referenced, it's it hits you so hard in terms of what the actual impact is on home ownership, on wealth creation. I believe home ownership is a net good for the community. You know that some people think that can be debatable. I understand that. I'm fully on board with that wealth creation, that generational wealth creation, the stability for the family. As somebody moved every year as a kid, I can tell you like stability is a good thing. I recommend it. Uh, and home ownership can, can create that. So I believe that is enormously important. I also believe real estate in general is a very fiercely independent realm. And what I've found is like, for instance, with NAREB and black broker owners are even more independent than they are than the very independent uh, real estate, uh, you know, community more generally. And I think that partnerships like this can really help to shift the perspective on that independence. So for instance, you know, Booker had mentioned one time in the emotional, you know, uh, thought process, whether to join, hey, I've never worked for a real estate company before. And I said, well, let me just, you know, flip that a little bit. You mean you've never had a real estate company work for you before because you just hired us and we've got a job to do and deliver for you. And I think that that shifting perspective can mean there's a lot more resources that can be brought to bear for those entrepreneurs who are, you know, charting a path to even greater success. Yeah, definitely. And um, Booker, you know, tell me a little bit, I just want your final thoughts about the program, but I also want to know about the mentorship. Um, You know, that aspect of the program seems extremely valuable to me. Um, You know, how, how has that been for you? And, um, you know, what's the most valuable part of this program to you? Well, you hit it. I I think the, um, the most valuable, uh, most viable thing with the, the whole Coldwell Banker Inclusive Program is the mentorship. Yeah. It is the uh, opportunity that we get to have a one-on-one with Ryan, for example, and other leadership within the company. That's something that's invaluable. Um, and if I, as an independent, if you try to do that, it's going to cost you an <laughs> arm and a leg. But that is, you know, that is one of the things that also that that helped drive um, me or help. Uh, helped me make the decision to join Coldwell Banker. So I'm really excited about the program. I'm really excited about the, you know, about the opportunity to do interviews such as this, to, 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 to spend time with Ryan. And I think this program in itself 
is, is, is going to be instrumental in, in helping bridge the gap in home ownership rates. As your listeners and your readers know that, you know, uh, white Americans own like 74% of their, you know, their home ownership is at 74%. I know Latinx individuals or Latinx Americans are at 49% and African Americans are at 44% home ownership rates. So it's like Ryan was saying, it's having these, these, um, these programs, having um, um, some diversity in franchise ownership, you know, it ensures that the voices of the, the underserved or these underserved communities will be heard. And, in, and at the end of the day, it ultimately increases home ownerships in, in the places that need it most. Um, uh, so I, I hope that other real estate firms follow in Coldwell's uh, uh, footsteps and adapt programs and exclusive programs such as this to help diversify the the uh, at least diversify the ownership of franchises in um, in our real estate industry. I think it could go a long way in making this already great uh, industry better. Ryan and Booker, thank you so much for joining the uh, Real Trending podcast. We really appreciate your time and um, you're doing some great things, uh, you know, in the industry. So thank you. Keep it up. Right. right. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, Tracy. You've had a, a real and authentic interest in moving this this kind of thing forward and really shifting the industry for the better. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Booker, for being an amazing ambassador for Cobalt Bankers. So uh, you're not off the hook now that you did this. You know, we're going to put you on tour and we, we really appreciate it. Thank you both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any day. Thank you so much, Tracy. All right. Go, go, go uh, Golden Knights. Huh? <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Thank you. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.